Well, good evening to those of you who are here in the house and those of you joining us from your house online. We are thrilled to have you here. Some people dropping off kids, coming on in. So we're excited to have church together tonight and to lean into who Jesus is. And so if you are a guest with us, we are thrilled to have you here. We know it takes courage coming to a new place. And so we do a thing called the 10-minute party at the end of the service. I know I've met a couple of you, and it's just right back in that corner there. I'd love just to say hi. We have a free gift for you just being here tonight, uh, a way of saying thanks. And want to invite you, whether you're new or been around here in a while, maybe you haven't downloaded our app, go ahead and download that. Go to the app store that uh, is your affiliate and type in Element City Church, and that will kind of get you here. Tonight, Jessica is our online host. So if you're watching from online, you need something or someone to pray with you, Jessica can help you with that. Uh, if you could fill out our connection card, and you could do that in two ways. If you're online, there's a connection card button at the top. Just push that. Or if you're new in here, uh, you can just text hello to our number, 340-520-340-6868. Just type the word hello. It's going to have, it's going to send you a couple different texts. You just answer those real quick and then you're all set and we get to, to follow up with you and kind of help you get connected around here at Elements. And so one of the things, the ways that you can get connected around here is we have different e-groups, what we call e-groups. It's just community life that happens throughout the week and we'd love for you to connect that, uh, whether that's college age, all the way up to uh, us older folks. And uh, we've got a group for everybody around, and so we'd love for you to connect with that. And then Mother's Day is next week. So reminder, call your mom. Call your mom. Uh, and love on your mom. And uh, moms, we are kind of having a special thing for you next week that if you're a mom here, as you walk in next week, you're going to fill out your name for a special drawing. Ooh, intriguing, isn't it? A few giveaways, we're excited to, to help with that. So again, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in online. Why don't you stand up where you're at? We're going to pray to start off our evening, and we're going to pray for the Church of the Week, which is New Destiny International, and that's Pastor Arthur. We're going to pray for their church. They're just around the corner down here off of Speedway. Uh, every week we pray for a different Church of the Week because we know uh, we got a million-plus people in our city and surrounding area who aren't connected to any faith community. And so we, as the church, want to continue to reach people and make a difference in our city. And so let's pray for our night and for New Destiny International. So, Father, we pray for Pastor Arthur and uh, for their church tonight. We're asking that you would flood them with the, the resources and the people and, and the impact that they can have. Would you expand their opportunity to make a difference in the slice of the city you've given them to serve? Father, would you continue to give them the leaders that they need? Would you continue to invest in them? And Father, for our time and our uh, space this evening in our service, God, we want to put our attention in your direction. We're just asking that we would worship you, we'd spend time with you, you inhabit the prayer praises of your people, and that as we worship you, as we look into your word, as we spend time together, that we would leave here different because of the encouragement your spirit has given us. We pray your blessing over these next uh, few minutes to come, and we ask that you would be active in it. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.
True path. 
Thank you, God. Holy Trinity, Holy Father, Holy Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, how much we are thankful for the beautiful relationships we can have with you, God. You are more than enough. And is that true, Lord? Because so many of us, we know this, such a simple truth, such a simple statement, you are more than enough. And we say this every Sunday, but then the moment we leave the church, the things happen throughout the week and we forget that you are more than enough. You are the one who satisfies us. You are the one who satisfies everything, all the, all the empty spaces, all the void. Would you come, God? Fill us up tonight, Lord, the simple truth that you are more than enough. And in your holy presence, we can find a healing. We can find restoration. You can remedy our soul, our heart, our mind. And when circumstances happen, Lord, we need to look at you. The one who is Prince of Peace, the one who is mighty, who is capable, who is able. When the things happen throughout the week, Lord, may our eyes be focused on you. May our eyes and our heart be fixed on you, God, because you are mighty, you are capable, and you are able. So when the body hurts, when the soul and heart soul, when the mind is not working or is not aligned, may we look at you, God, who is so much stronger. Would you take a heart, Lord? Would you make something new tonight? May we believe again. May we find confidence in you, God. We worship you, Lord. We're thankful. And we pray all these things in your beautiful and precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. The Beatitudes that begins the Sermon on the Mount that is a sermon and message Jesus would have given often as a traveling rabbi. And he has these declarations that we're invited into, to attitudes that we're to have as a part of our life. And tonight I want us to look in Matthew chapter 5 or 6 uh, and look at that particular beatitude. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go there. And as you're turning there, uh, if you want to open up the church app, scroll down to that. You'll kind of be able to follow along with notes here, whether you're online or whether you're here in the house. But uh, have you ever been really, really hungry. 
I know for some of you, you may be there right now, and here's what I gotta tell you. You gotta tough it out for another 40 minutes or so, okay? So, like, I believe in you, and I'm for you. So, but maybe that's where you're at with that. Maybe you can think of a time where maybe you had surgery, right? And then uh, you weren't really hungry for a couple days, and all of a sudden your hunger kind of came roaring back. Or maybe you've been in those moments. Anyone ever been in a classroom or a quiet setting at the office, and all of a sudden your stomach decides to have an earthquake inside of it? And it's not just inside of you, it's like every Everyone can hear it around you. You ever had that kind of moment? Uh, three of us, perfect. Okay, so like, you know, maybe you've had a couple moments. Like, have you ever been really, really thirsty? Maybe it's coming off the field of competition and you've just been depleted and you've got to get the Gatorade, the water in you. Maybe it's, uh, we live in the desert and there's a lot, of, a lot of yard work that you have to do and sometimes maybe you forget to drink. I remember uh, one time I maybe shared before of uh, when I was about 16, I learned what thirst was as my friend Tim called me and his dad owned a warehouse and he said, listen, I need some help and dad's willing to pay and will you show up 6.30 tomorrow morning? And I said, did you say pay? Sure. Uh, and so like we got there at 6.30 in the morning and all of a sudden I realized uh, why he didn't tell me the rest of the story as the semi truck began to back into the bay. And I looked around and they opened up the semi truck and it was 40 pound charcoal bags, floor to ceiling, front to back. And I looked and saw Tim and myself, and no one else. Um, and in that moment, I realized we have a lot of work to do. And Tim's dad, well, he would drive the forklift, and that's the cool part of the job, but we didn't get to do that. We had to just kind of chug 40-pound charcoal bags and load them onto a pallet. And I remember halfway through that adventure, two things I learned. One is I need to go to college because I cannot do this the rest of my life. And so that was a decision moment for me. And the second thing I learned is Tim and I looked at each other and said, listen, um, we're halfway done. The day is halfway done. And we got like, to crank this out. And so here's the deal. No more water breaks until we're done. Okay, okay, man, we could do it. And so we launched in for the next three or four hours, unhauling this whole semi, uh, the last half of it. And, just, and, and I don't know if you've ever been in the place of thirst where you're, the back of your throat is like sandpaper. You can't even muster up any more saliva to swallow yourself. And, and I remember my lips were like sticking to my teeth, and I was like, that's not right. And when water finally hit me, it was like the most refreshing feeling in the world in that moment. And maybe you understand that. And I want you to kind of keep that in mind as Jesus begins to unpack the rest of the Beatitudes. And this one that we're going to look at tonight deals with this idea of hunger and thirst. Remember the Beatitudes is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, a message that Jesus would have given often to talk about, hey, the kingdom of God, God's reign and his rule is now here. And ultimately, through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that God's rule now is forever available. Like, there's no revoking it. There's no going back. This is the good news of the gospel. And so Jesus is beginning to teach, what does it mean to actually follow after Jesus? What does it mean to actually begin to have some of his heart formed into you? And he's teaching on what divine happiness, really this God-lived life is about, which is different than what the good life that the world kind of shouts and says, here's the good life. In fact, it's in every commercial, right? Here's the good life. Here's what it looks like. And yet Jesus in the Beatitudes begins to point and say, no, no, the good life is fleeting, uh, but I have a good life for you. It's actually in the God life, and it's as you follow after him. We would do well to note and remember that these are the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. 
This isn't about trying to do these things in order to get in a right relationship with God or to, to somehow work on that. This is to, to become more and more a part of who you are. Dallas Willard said this, the Beatitudes simply cannot be good news if they're understood to be a set of how-tos, of like how to achieve the blessed the blessed life, because it would just really amount to a new set of legalism. And so it is a sense of not just trying to do these things. This is a sense of like, let this become part of who you are in your being as you follow after. We said the takeaway for the series is the pursuit of the good life. The things that the world says, here's the good life, go seek after these things. Ultimately, they will let you down. But the pursuit of a God-lived life, a God life, will actually lead you to real joy and to real blessing. And the first three beatitudes, blessed are those who poor in spirit. Blessed are those who understand their spiritual bankruptcy. That outside of God, you're toast, I'm toast. Like outside of God's blessing and his way, that his opportunity of sending his son, we need him. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are humble, who are meek. That's what Lyle looked at last week. This idea of, of surrender to who God is and what his ways are in life, to let him kind of lead you. And then he's talking about this idea of poverty and brokenness and this need for surrender. It's all this emptying of yourself. And then Jesus kind of turns the corner in the Beatitudes and says, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. So if there's an emptying of yourself, to recognize I need God. And then now God is saying, listen, I'm gonna fill your life with those blessings. Uh, People have a deep desire for hunger and thirst. They're intense longings. We all know them. Uh, They're necessities. They're, They're not things you can live without. And Jesus takes a very common human understanding and pins it to the kingdom of God. I want you to understand, okay, you understand this feeling I want you to pin that to the kingdom of God, to the, to the ways of God, to who God is, and I want you to pursue him like that. This deep longing you have in your heart, I want you to live that out. In the ancient Jewish world, people understood what true hunger and thirst were. You may have had moments where you understood what true hunger and thirst are, but if we're honest, we live in the land of plenty. We really don't know what real hunger and real thirst is. Maybe you've traveled the world and you've been to places where you see it and you go, that, that's real hunger. That's real thirst. And there's pockets in our community and in around our world where we see it. And there's a desperation side of that. And that's what Jesus is getting at. I want you to hunger and thirst for God and for his ways, for his best. I want you to hunger and thirst like that. This sense of deep desperation that's kind of guiding you to pursue after him, to long for his love, and to embody that love in your everyday way of life, in your work, in your relationships, in your parenting, at your school, and everywhere you go. Because that's the kind of longings that people have. They, they think they're searching after other things, but really what they honestly actually need is to hunger and thirst after me, Jesus is saying. Just as a person can't live without food or water, we've been created with deep longings. And we simply will not live our best life outside or apart from God himself. We can give ourselves to a whole lot of things, but they ultimately don't satisfy. We all end up singing the Mick Jagger tune, right? I can't get no. Really, I thought that was pretty good. 
Okay, I thought that was okay, like karaoke style, maybe an eight. Um, so I thought maybe you all would go there, but like, I can't get no satisfaction. And humanity has so many appetites and thirst that we crave after, and yet we go searching for them. And in the end, if you travel that out far enough, you realize that you actually end up with less than you thought you were going to get. Because it's the good life, so to speak, that the world says, go after these things. It's almost like the author of Scripture, Jesus himself, is leaning back to the prophet Isaiah's words. Remember Isaiah 55? Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come and take the choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does not do you any good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest of foods. And what you see throughout the gospel accounts of Jesus' life is him declaring over and over, come to me. Hunger and thirst for me. Because as you do, you will find the satisfaction. You will find the fulfillment that you really need. Every other pursuit and pathway will take you toward emptiness. That's where it dead ends. But in me, you will find life and life to the full, he says. What's interesting when you think about Jesus' life is that his ministry life really didn't start till around age 30. And we know a little bit because of Christmas. We know a little bit about Jesus' birth and his early childhood. We know about a moment when he was 12 and at the temple and his parents are coming back and, and we know a little bit about that, but we really don't know a whole lot about those early childhood years and into adolescence and into young adulthood. But we, we kind of see him burst onto the scene at 30. What we know from a Jewish context is that uh, like all Jewish boys, he would have been trained in the Torah and gone about that. He would have learned his father's trade, carpentry, and yet what's funny, I find funny is that he's a professional carpenter by this point, and yet one day he tells fishermen how to fish. <laughs> I just think that's funny. He lived in a rural town outside the bustling city life. We don't know a whole lot until his baptism. John the Baptist baptizes him, and God's voice confirms, this is my son in whom I love, and I'm well pleased. And all of a sudden, he bursts onto the scene, and the ministry is about ready to take off. Can you imagine the anticipation, the excitement, 30 years building to this, years of preparation, ready to launch forward, and what does Jesus do? What is his first act of unveiling kind of this Messiah moment for him? What does he do on his first day on the job? Does he preach a sermon? No. Does he heal somebody? No. Does he perform a miracle? No. The Spirit leads him into the desert for 40 days, and he fasts. No food, no water. Have you ever wondered why? Like, of all the ways that ministry life after 30 years of preparation could begin, like, we, we know all about the miracles, we know all about the healings, we know all about the teachings. Why the desert experience? It's almost like the Spirit knew that the appetites of the human heart, the thirst of the human heart, 
has a way of picking up steam. And, and if left unchecked, it, it can really get you sideways. And, and that Jesus begins to practice what he teaches later. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after God and after his righteousness, for you will be filled. Fulfilled, fully satisfied, filled to the way that it's meant to be. All other pursuits take you in a different way. It's like one of the most important questions in any person can wrestle with is what is it that will fill my hungry heart? Humanity is born with appetites and thirst, and it's not just stomach cravings. One of the greatest quests of life is the quest for satisfaction. To live our lives, we pursue hard after that. We search for something that will satisfy the pangs of the human appetite, something that will quench the dull ache. Human beings are hungry creatures, and we look to find fulfillment in all kinds of places, in money, possessions, in strings of the right kind of relationships or nonstop activity, in sex and having power, in fame or approval, and the list goes on a mile longer, doesn't it? And we look for satisfaction, fulfillment in those things, and it's like Jesus' understanding in this wilderness moment, we've got to check those appetites because they will not bring us to fulfillment. They'll actually take us somewhere else, and unchecked, unrestrained appetites only get bigger and bigger while leaving us less and less satisfied. How do we know this? Well, McDonald's. I I know, go with me. McDonald's shows us this. If you realize, McDonald's is one of the earliest, you know, fast food kind of... kind of giants now, but in the fledgling of this. Do you realize in 1955, the biggest soda you could get from McDonald's was seven ounces? Have you walked by the supermarket recently and seen those little tiny cans of Coke or Sprite? Are you like me and walk by and like, who would buy that? Like, that's one sip. Like, that's dumb to waste your money on that. At least get the bigger one, right? And maybe that's what your mind goes for. Maybe it's just me. I don't think it's just me. But that's the idea. Seven ounces is what you could get in 1955. Fast forward 50 years, and they introduce the supersize, right? In fact, they introduce one that's bigger than the extra large. It was had a nickname. Anyone know the nickname of the largest soda McDonald's ever introduced? Hugo. Do you remember Hugo? That's what they called it. 42 ounces of soda, over 410 calories in one container. This is what you're to have. They don't sell it anymore. I even called the manager this week to confirm. I said, do you remember that Hugo? They're like, yeah, I remember that. They took that off the market after a little while. We don't sell that anymore. We just have the extra large. Oh, okay. 32 ounces is the biggest you can get now. Seven ounces a few years back. See, appetites and thirst left unchecked, they'll just crave more and more and more and actually satisfy you less and less and less. Now, cravings aren't bad, but it's this idea of understanding that we've been created deep, deep down to crave after things and really to crave after God himself. And if you give your life to the cravings other than God, 
you're not going to wind up feeling fulfilled. You'll never find satisfaction in trying to feast on most anything else outside of God. You'll crave more and more and be satisfied less and less. It's like Jesus understood Isaiah. Come to me if you're thirsty. Why spend money on food that won't satisfy you? Come to me, Jesus says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for God himself and for his ways for you will be filled. It's like he understood the words of the psalmist, Psalm 63. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that's dry and desolate and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because of your faithful love. It's better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I'll lift up my hands. You satisfy me with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Jesus says, hunger and thirst after God, after his ways, after his best, and you will be filled. The Greek word there for filled is this idea of to be filled up, to be bloated, or even gorged. Come on now. Anyone ever felt that way after a meal? (laughs) That one Mexican restaurant? Come on. Yeah, you know the one. Uh, We have a national holiday. It's called Thanksgiving, right? How many of you got special Thanksgiving pants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nacho Libre, sometimes it's fun to wear stretchy pants, right? So it's this idea, we understand this. This idea of gorging being so full. And Jesus is taking that image and he says, look, if you'll find... If you'll hunger and thirst after me, you'll find yourself feeling that kind of fullness in life. Uh, But pursuits going somewhere else or away from me, you're not going to feel that way. You're not going to find that. Jesus is the one who said, I am the bread of life. No one comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who believes in me will ever thirst again. Happier are those who partner with God to meet the deep hurts of the world around us with his deep love that they have been filled with. See, when you're one who is hungered and thirst after him and you are filled with that, then you have something to offer to those around you who are searching. You are able to pass on true fulfillment. It's like Psalm 42. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Here's a question. Is God the deepest craving of your heart? That's worth wrestling with. Is God the deepest craving of your heart and of your life? Those who have an intense longing for the righteousness of God, meaning himself and his ways and his best, you will be blessed. What kind of righteousness does that look like? What does that look like? It's kind of personal righteousness. It's being so filled up with God and his person and his character that you are kind of sent to be a person that pursues his will that without tripping up very often or getting detoured or distracted away from God and his best in the world. We have this hunger and thirst to search after him and Righteousness really defers and refers to this idea of discipleship and obedience and following after Jesus. It isn't about perfection, but it is about this, this pursuit of wanting God and his best to be more and more a reality of our lives. 
it refers to the righteousness of the entire world to kind of begin to push back against some of the sin and the brokenness in our world with the righteousness and the presence and the hope of God. To begin to speak into that and to create a different story that begins to, to sense a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness experience that longing in maybe a couple forms. One is the desire to be righteous and to be right by God and to do what's right by God. To live as one who is forgiven and accepted and to desire to pursue after God's commands and to imitate and reflect him to yourself and to the people around you. Jesus is conveying the thought that the quest for righteousness is not some idle task that you do when you're bored or you have nothing else to pursue. It's to be a top priority. It's to be a central focus of your life. The longing for righteousness is like a starving person who's hungry or thirsty and needs water in desperation. That's what Jesus is getting at. Hunger and thirst for me like that. And you'll be filled. Hey, live your life to that way. This idea of, of, in the simplest of sense, righteousness is obedience. We are to hunger and thirst our lives to be in line with God's design. That we would be in alignment with him. We, we'd understand him in a personal level. James 4, 17 kind of hints at this, this idea that uh, to know the right thing to do and not do it is just as bad as doing the wrong thing. It's about living in alignment with God and pursuing his best. Righteousness means right living with God and doing right, reflecting his righteousness to the people around you. The, the Greek word that Jesus uses here is also this emphasizes of being in a right relationship with God to be justified with God, which doesn't come by our actions. It comes by our faith. Our faith not in what we do, but our faith in what Jesus did. He's the one that justifies. He's the one that sets us right. He's the one that provides a way. It's a gift from him in faith in Christ alone. It's to crave to be right with God and to live rightly with God to put him on display. It's also a desire and to, to see right done in the world, to help bring about God's will and God's righteous ways into the world. It's what Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We get to participate in what God is doing and answering prayer. See, the good life is a life that answers God's call to make a godly positive difference in the world, to be more of a giver than a taker. To be one who looks to say, uh, maybe answer this question, how different will the world be because you existed? That's worth wrestling with. How different will this world be because you existed? Uh, because you got in alignment with God. And he, he justified you. He saved you. He rescued you. And you have a right relationship with him. And now as a disciple, one following after him, you are living rightly in relationship with him and you're trying to live that out for the people around you see to pray your kingdom come your will be done is not a language of passivity or resignation god this world's messed up you got to fix it no no no. to pray your will be done as it is in heaven here that's language of participation it's god here i am use me use me to be part of the solution part of the reality of change of bringing your righteousness here. Listen, you don't have to be famous to make a difference. 
you just have to be faithful. You don't have to have perfect ability. God's just looking for your availability. Will you leave your life open for me to use? And then watch him use it to make a difference in the people around you. God cares for all of humanity right here, right now. He has a heart for people. He wants people to know that he loves them and that he knows them and that he is for them. Can he use you to proclaim that? Because he wants to. It is hard for hungry people to hear the gospel over the sound of a grumbling stomach. It's hard for people to hear Jesus loves you when they see Jesus' people being unloving. The early church embodied Jesus' practice of love and cared for the whole person in practical ways and in spiritual ways, both and, not either or. And that's the reality that the church is called to carry forward. Author uh, Rodney Stark in The Rise of Christianity writes this, Christianity revitalized life in the Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships, able to cope with many of the urgent urban problems of the day. See, the cities filled up with homeless and impoverished, and it was Christianity that offered charity as well as hope. The cities began to fill up with newcomers and strangers and the lonely, and it was Christianity, the movement of the church, offered immediate basis for attachment and connection. The cities filled up with orphans and widows, and Christianity provided a new and expanded family to belong to. The cities were torn by violent strife, and yet it was Christianity, the movement of the church, that offered a new basis for social solidarity and justice for all people. They cared about their community. And the church must do the same today. Tertullian, uh, a second century North African church leader, wrote this, it is our care for the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of our opponents. They say how they love one another. Friends, may those who even disagree with our beliefs See our desire to display the love of Christ through the healing of hurts, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, sacrificing ourselves for the cause of justice. And may they say, look how those people love. That's what's captivating. The Apostle Paul reminds us to the church in Galatia, chapter 6, verse 9 through 10, let us not grow tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever you have the opportunity, we should do good for everyone, especially those in the family of faith. We have a saying around here that we say often, uh, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because the reality is the problems around us, the, the struggles around us are are too big for you to fix, isn't it? God, let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. I want to participate in that, but I can't fix everything. Uh, But what if the church, the individuals and believers of Jesus, the disciples, just began to live out on a more regular basis? I'm going to do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. Uh, What if each week we launched out as the church? And maybe one of the simplest goals you could have 
is, God, would you help me to be able to pray for one person this week? To actually stop and pray for them. And what if we actually did that? And if there was an issue or a situation and maybe we could help solve that or we could speak into that, then we do it. Because we could do for one what we wish we could do for everyone, but I don't have the resource or the capacity to do all of that for everyone. Well, what if you just do it for the one that God brings across your path? What if we just start there? See, what does it mean to pursue righteousness, to hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God? It means I want to aim my life the best of what I got, my top focus is I want to pursue after God himself, after his ways, and and begin to live that out more and more in how I live my life. See, in a divisive cultural backdrop of our day, so many people hunger and thirst to be right. I'm right. Listen to me. What did Jesus say? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Don't let your hunger and thirst cause you to scream that you're right. All that does is create more division and more disunity. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst after me, Jesus says. And you will be filled. So here's the invitation as the worship team begins to come back up, to take a minute and reflect. As adults, we've been kind of leaning into this the last few weeks, so I just challenge you to to take out your phone and open up a new note, or maybe you started one a couple weeks ago, and you've just been been writing one thought from each week that we gather together. And open up that note, and, and just simply take the next 60 seconds and say, God, what do you have for me? Spirit, how are you nudging my heart tonight? And maybe it was a verse that you heard tonight. Maybe it was a, a simple phrase. Something for you to wrestle with and to pray into more and more this week. What would it be? Take out your phone. Write it down. Spend a second just listening. God, what's sticking out to me? Why is that sticking out? Why are you bringing that to mind? What would it look like for me to begin to engage in that more? How could I let that pursuit begin to help me love you more or begin to love my neighbor more, the people around me? And so I just invite you to take 30 seconds, pause and to consider, how is God speaking into your life tonight? What's he calling you to? What's the takeaway that you have that he's kind of burning into your heart? What is that? What's he whispering to you? Jot it down. This week, think about it. Read it. Pray into it. Father, you, um, you long to communicate. Your spirit is sent to remind us of the words of Jesus, to remind us of who he is and all that he's about. How are you nudging our heart tonight? What are you wanting us to hold on to? To wrestle with a little bit more, to pray into? Spirit, speak into this moment as we prepare to worship in song. 
Would you stir our heart to catch it? Father, we don't want to be a people who just hunger and thirst to be right. We got enough people yelling about right. In fact, they do that to the point that they end up bullying or bulldozing right over people. We want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you, yourself, for your ways and your best. Because as we pursue that, you promise to fill us and that we would find fulfillment in the satisfaction we so longing and, and crave for. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled.
And I hid from you You still called out my name And when my flesh is weak Will you help me see You are all that I need Oh Jesus You are all that I need craving of your heart. There's so many appetites, so many thirsts that our world says, pursue this. You've walked that road. You know it's a cul-de-sac. It never gets you where you want it to go. So may God grow hunger and thirst in you and in me and us. Say, Jesus, we want more. We want more. We want more of you. Not just more of things, but more of you. And as we do that together, may, may the beauty of that become what's attractive to a world that's searching to 
coworkers and friends and to neighbors who are seeking a lot of things, not finding the satisfaction that, friend, I hope you have found and that fills your day, your Mondays, your Tuesdays, your Wednesdays, your Thursdays, every Sunday that we gather. So thank you to all of you online or here who partner with us to be the church. It takes real money to do real ministry and we're grateful for your partnership in that. We, we don't give do giving and passing a plate or anything like that. There's boxes in the back. 80% of our folks give online through the app and that's a way that you can partner in what we're doing. Uh, one of those things I wanna highlight again is as you leave tonight, uh, if you're here, is we have a couple posters for their teacher appreciation at Catalina High School and at John B. Wright Elementary this Tuesday we are delivering on behalf of the church uh, $5 Dutch Bro gift cards to every staff at both those schools. Uh, that's 180 people uh, that are getting that because of you and because of us saying, hey, you matter and, and you care and, and we care. And we want you to know, yeah, it's been a tough year. We're sorry for that. Hopefully this brings a little bit of spice and, or at least a little delight uh, for an afternoon for you. And so we're getting to deliver that Tuesday. Watch social media for pictures from that. So sign the posters on your way out. If you haven't, next uh, Saturday is our second Saturday food distribution. It's a very simple way for us to partner together to give out three pallets of food to people in our neighborhood, people that God loves. And we want to just show up and say, hey, here's some practical needs. We want to help feed you. And can we pray for you? Or can we just cheer you on in life? And so if you want to help with that, 830, be right here in the parking lot. Not right here because this will be empty, but we'll be out there. Um, and then uh, we'll just kind of continue on with our Good Life series. Again, Mother's Day next week. Week. If you're a mom, as you walk in next week, there'll be a basket. Fill out your name, put it in there. We are doing a giveaway, uh, a couple different giveaways. And so we want to bless you and to support you. And that if you are a teacher here or work in a school district, this is Teacher Appreciation Week, uh, would you just kind of raise your hand if you're a teacher? We'll pray for our teachers. They must be home and online watching. That's the deal. Uh, so all you teachers who are watching online, we are thankful for you. If you are a guest with us tonight, invite you to the 10-minute party right back there. Uh, if you haven't, text hello to our number. You could do that. Uh, we'd love to connect with you, and I look to see you back there. i got a free gift for you. May you hunger and thirst for Jesus, for his righteousness. And as you do, friend, may you be filled, bloated, gorged on the beauty of who God is for you this week, we pray. Blessings. We'll see you next Sunday.